Welcome to Mwango Spaces. So today we are hosting the Kenya Orient Life Assurance Principle. So I think he'll explain to us why he's using that title and not the CEO one. So we just want to discuss the company, the person who's heading it, and also a little bit of understanding the insurance industry in Kenya and assurance industry. So then what's the difference between those two? So I'd start with a light question to you. Maybe you can introduce yourself and then say a little bit about yourself and how the day has been. Thank you. My host and good evening. So my name is Ajat Manmuli, the principal officer of Kenya Orion Life. I am sure that you have posed a question of why I use that. It's because the insurance companies are regulated entities by insurance regulatory authority. And the people given them a date to run the insurance business are referred to as principal officers because they are responsible to the regulator at all times. Myself, I've been in the insurance industry for 23 years now specifically doing life insurance business. So even if you interview me at night from my dreams, I'll still answer you the questions about life insurance. I've been worked both in Kenya and in Uganda. So I have also cultural cutout of the insurance industries in East Africa. I've been with Kenya Orient Life for the last three years now, and we are trying to do the best that we could to make the industry and the company change the better. Thank you. We'll start with a question about the difference between assurance and insurance. So I think that's a good thing we can start off the conversation. Insurance is a cover that is given, but the payment of the benefits is unknown. So that is why it is called insurance. Like when you get a motor vehicle insurance cover, if the accident does not happen, then you do not get compensated. On the other side, assurance literally applies to the life business. And why we talk about assurance is irrespective, once you take a policy, at any one time, the policy will pay benefits. So once you take a policy in assurance setup, either you get a benefit at the, in the event of death, in the event of disability, in the event of diagnosis, critical illness, or if you survive the time of the policy, then you get what you call the sum assured, the maturity of that policy. That's why it is assurance. I hope I've clarified that to you. Yes. But then do you deal with insurance then, or you just deal with assurance as a company then? Myself, I deal with assurance. If you look at uh, the okay. company's Kenya Orient Life Assurance Company. Okay. So then why not insurance? So you don't deal with insurance products? Even if we have a bit of insurance products, it is what we call added value, embedded values into our policies because of the changing needs of customers. But literally the basics of life business is to give life assurance. So you're more focused on life products, right? Correct. So understand is general insurance and then there is also accident insurance and all these kind of insurance. So maybe you can give us a bit of a breakdown on these different types of insurance products that are out there. Insurance 101, so to speak, to our listeners. When we talk about insurance, and that is more the general bits which we call the non-life. Non-life policies are the ones that are referred as insurance. And I said issues to do with motor vehicle cover, fire, travel insurance. And marine insurance, those are the kind of insurances that we be dealt with. On the other side of the life assurance, we have various products of life assurance, which uh, are many. We have what we call the educator policies. We have level term policies. We have a dormant policies. And the differences will be 
at what stage of the policy are the benefits payable? So when you talk about a level term policy, you're saying that I'm going to give you the benefits during the term of the policy and it does not change. So if you get a policy now, the sum assured is 100,000, then that will not change all the way to the end of that particular policy. So basically you are not going to expect some bonuses. You are not going to expect some kind of partial maturities. Partial maturities are payments of maturities that come earlier before the end of the term of a policy. When you look at the child kind of assurance policies, you are taking insurance against the life of a parent, but the beneficiary is the child. So in the event that the parent is not there, then the child will benefit from the benefits of the policy and they will be payable based on the time the child will be needing education fees, these kind of things. Should the parent then survive during the entire term of the policy, then you'll have to get the maturity of that particular policy plus the accrued bonuses, if any, because bonuses again will embed or will be onboarded into the value of the policy if the business makes profits and is sharing part of the profits with the policyholders. Those are the, the, the bonuses. So for customers, we call them bonuses. For shareholders, we call them dividends. So that sharing is what will make the value of your policy go up at the end of the period or at the end of the term of the policy. So let's talk a bit about maybe the insurance industry in Kenya. Maybe you can map it out for us who are some of the key players and where Kenya Orient lies in that competitive landscape. In the insurance industry, generally we have 53 companies running insurance business. That is both live and general. But when we cut down to the live companies, we are 23 in number. Being 23 in number, some of the companies are as old as they have already celebrated their 50 years anniversary. And now as Kenya Orient Life started back in 2014, so we are yet to celebrate our 10th anniversary, which would be next year. So we are shy by one year to celebrate that. And therefore, based on the age of any particular business and how the business has also performed, that is what places the business in terms of the market share in the industry. Now, Kenya Orient in terms of market share and market share here, we are looking at the premium generation vis-a-vis -vis the total contribution in the industry. We are in position 16. That is as a 2021. And we expect now with the changes that we have done in 2022, once the regulator releases the numbers for all the industry players, we'll be able to know as at end of 2022, what position we are in terms of the market share. And then you've talked a bit about the TRL company. Maybe you can give a bit of perspective on the history of the company. It's pretty young, but then like how was the founding, how been the growth so far? Yeah, Kenya Orient Life Assurance Company started back in 2014 and was registered and licensed under the Insurance Act of Kenya to transact ordinary life and superannuation classes of business. When I talk about superannuation classes of business, these are the short-term classes of business within the life business that is corporate. Like when you do group life cover for staff in an institution that falls under superannuation. When you do cover of credit loans for financial institutions, that again falls under the superannuation class of business. Then thereafter in 2016, <coughs> we applied to do the pension business 
Now, remember, pension business is regulated by a different regulator, which is the Retirement Benefits Authority. So in 2016, we were also licensed now to do pension business, which has two categories of the business, what we call individual pension business. Individual pension business is where you come in as an individual, place your contributions, and we try to invest your contributions, declare interest at the end of each year, and provide a growing model of your savings. On the other end is the umbrella. The umbrella is where we have small kind of institutions that come to, together under the umbrella so that we are able to manage their funds together. This is because they will enjoy the economies of scale. Because there are expenses that are aligned to running of pensions and these expenses come on board because of the service providers that are supposed to run a scheme, custodian, fund manager, the administrator, the auditors, there's also levy. So those kind of things, once you have the umbrella set up and you share the expenses, then you might not feel if you are a small institution. Other schemes will come independently and they'll be run as an independent special scheme. And now thereafter, then we have been able to grow the business, providing financial solutions to our customers which are flexible, convenient, and affordable. Our product offerings comprise of the products that I mentioned, and inclusive of those products, there's also what we call the annuity. There's what we call deferred annuity or immediate annuity. And deferred annuity is you put in your lump sum contributions now, but you want to be paid your monthly pensions probably in some times to come. That is what we call deferred annuity. And we also have immediate annuity where you come in with a lump sum, either you have been paid your retirement benefits from your employer or from the savings of the pensions, then we, that lump sum, we compute it for you. If we were to pay you a salary every month, which we call the pension every month, we will compute for you and give you in a particular amount. The amount outcome is a factor of your agenda, your age, and the guarantee period that you would want us to pay you. Guarantee period would mean if you take a guarantee period of zero, it means you have no guarantee period. Therefore, if you put in your 1 million and have calculated your monthly income would be 20,000 per month. In the event you die tomorrow, you have no guarantee. So I stop paying you. And once we go for the burial, we are done. But if you do a 10 year guarantee, for example, and your monthly income is 20,000, should you die after five years, then the insurance company should pay the five years remaining total amount lump sum to your beneficiary because you have taken a guarantee period of 10 years. Now, the disadvantage on our side is should you survive the 10 years, then we'll still continue to pay you until death. So on these products, we say we wish they die earlier, but on the other products, we say we do not expect a death. So it's a balancing act. And there are a lot of factors that are considered both in the running of the life insurance, which are actually determined in terms of the ratings and the pricing. Additionally, we have also our distribution network as a business. Individual business is usually distributed through agents, which we call the independent agents. These are people that we engage and contract so that they are able to run on selling and onboarding customers individually because they have to look at individual people and entice them on our products. On the other end, we have to work 
very closely with the brokers so that we get the corporate business bit of it. We have other intermediaries, the agencies that also give us those kind of other corporate businesses. And we are distributed in the country. We are in Nairobi, we're in Mombasa, we're in Kisumu, we're in Akuru and Nyeri. That is our distribution network. We have grown our numbers, and I think you saw in the financial, to a zero asset base as a 2014 to a 3.7 asset base as at end of last year. And so we have also changed the position in terms of the profitability, that is the P&L account, from a loss-making position back in 2018 to profitability 2019, 2020, all the way which has contributed immensely in our growth in terms of growing the share value and also the asset base of the business. Thank you. That's incredible growth from zero to 3.7 billion. What's your strategy like in terms of for market? What's your approach to market that makes you win customers and all? The market is, is very competitive. And based on the competition that we have in the market, then our focus and our strategy is to give customer value so as much as we want to approach and use our agents, our brokers to front our products, we have ensured our products make value to our customers. And therefore we have a team, which we call the product development committee that usually looks at products, do a survey of the products, where products are not being taken up by customers. Then we need to do what we call revamping of a product so that it becomes more enticing. We are also trying to look at the pricing. Sometimes price is very important to customers to make a decision. So those are some of the strategies we are looking at. Now, in terms of the distribution bit of it, we look at how best can we be able to retain our brokers and keep a partnership or a relationship that they will always remember to front our products and not for our competitors. So that's that day-to-day conversation that day-to-day relationship creates a lot of rapport so that we are able to get support from those particular customers. Our agents, again, we keep a lot of training. We have to do a lot of training to them so that the information that goes out there to the customer is not information that is in contradiction with what we are offering so that we are not getting complaints after customers on board the products that we have offered to them. Really good answers. We are 20 minutes into our discussion. So I want to tell the audience that we have one hour here in terms of a discussion. So if you have questions about insurance, I think that you've been wondering about Kenya Orient or anything to do with that insurance and assurance, we have our expert here. So if you have any questions, just you can do three things. You can one, either DM me directly, I'm checking the DMs or not. You can also check out just below the pinned tweet, which was our poster for this event today. You can write your questions there. If you request to speak, we will be able to see that request and be able to allow you to ask any questions that you have, especially on insurance, because that's the main focus. So back to you, I wanted to ask a question, which I actually should have started with. What's your journey to insurance? Like, how did you get started? Uh, Did you always know you wanted to be part of insurance? As a person? As a person. No. (laughs) Sometimes when you start careers, you never know where your career is going to. What is your career at the end of the day? You remember when we were in primary school, our teachers used to ask us, what do you want to be when you grow up? And most of us in the class were looking at being a pilot or being a doctor. But along the way, because of changes or maybe problems the curriculum, your ability to pass exams, 
once you get out, then you are just out there. The one thing that I know, I had a lot of interest in mathematics and things to do with finance. So the first thing that I started to do is to do CPA. And in the process, when I finished my degree, which I did my degree in economics and mathematics, I was now not very sure, should I pursue the CPAs to the end so they become an accountant? And then I decided, of course not. So in the process, then I got an opportunity to work with one of the local insurance companies in Kenya. And again, I had not even made my decision, is this the career that I want to take home? And through mentorship, I will always mention my boss then, through mentorship, he encouraged me to do a lot of pension activities, pension visitations for customers. And thereafter, he introduced me to underwriting and I got a lot of interest now in insurance. That's when I said, I need now to do the professional papers for insurance, which I did, I passed. And then after that, I enrolled to do my master's in strategic management. And now the career just boils and started flowing in my bloodstream. That's an interesting one because indeed, as you say, like not many people grow up saying, I want to be an insurance, I want to be a player in the insurance field. So in terms of then the insurance industry in Kenya, there is a common saying that the penetration levels are very low. From your experience, what are some of the challenges that you've come across in terms of people maybe joining insurance? Because there's a lot of Kenyans who are skeptical about it, mostly because perhaps they've been scammed now in one way or the other or at least they have not really understood what exactly does insurance provide that I can't provide on myself. So maybe you can tackle that question in two ways. So one, tell us a bit about the challenges that you've met along the way and some of the opportunities that you've found in this space that Kenyans should be more aware of. Some of the challenges that we face and other which the entire insurance industry of life business has faced in Kenya is the financial constraints. If you look at the financial aspects of what we call the disposable income, the first thing that any person, any income owner will look at would be the basic needs, would be looking at the clothing, the shelter, and the food. So by the time you look at the disposable income, which now you can either take to insurance and probably also take to savings or investment, then the first option of Kenyans would be to run to investment. Now, remember, investment is a risk route that you might take. You might lose your money or you might gain. But now in our endeavor to ensure that we get those people that have that disposable income get into insurance, we have tried to show them the benefits of insurance vis-a-vis -vis the benefits of investment. Because in the investment, you get your return. So what? But insurance, you are putting money aside to secure yourself, your future, and your family. So in the event that you are not there, for example, if you are taking a loan, a mortgage loan for a house for your family where you are living, if you have insurance for that house, life insurance for that house and you are not there, then the financial provider will not come and take away or auction the house. The assurance, the life assurance company is going to pay the outstanding loan of that particular house. And that's now your family is left with a lot of peace. So it gives a lot of peace in mind. The other issue of the challenge that we also get is the lack of knowledge on insurance products. And because of the laws on the, in the lands, most people will want to insure because they have been told to insure because now somebody will put a sticker on his car, probably because he doesn't want to be stopped by the police. But what is the value of 
a comprehensive insurance, for example, on a vehicle. It is not because of the police. Is In the event that vehicle is involved in an accident, then you do not go to zero. The insurance company is going to compensate you your vehicle. Or the insurance company is going to repair your vehicle, depending on the extent of the damage. So lack of knowledge in insurance products is also another impediment that we also have. We have also misconceptions, such as insurance is expensive, is a luxury, and this should only be purchased by the rich people. So it is out of what I say, the lack of knowledge that now gives those misconceptions, which we, out of our training and getting in partnership with the regulator, that's IRA, we try to push the knowledge to the public and to understand the importance of insurance. I'm sorry to say we are not very much trusted, probably because of instances of the terms and conditions that we have given to our policyholders. And most probably if our policyholders have not read the policy document and understand at what stage am I going to benefit and what is my expectation as, as a policyholder to benefit from the policy. So at the end of the period, if the policyholder does not get the expectation because simply they did not look at the terms and conditions of the policies, then a mistrust arises. And that has also become an issue that we keep on pushing so that we are able to get customers on board. Now, in insurance, in terms of the life assurance products, remember, we are talking about life and life is about death. So for us, we talk about death. We have some of the people that, or maybe because of out of culture or maybe believe, they look at when you talk about, I'm covering you again as death, you are wishing me a bad luck. So that kind of misconception, people will also be hesitant to listen to your story because you are telling them about death. You are telling them things that they do not want to hear. A quick question on that. Are you finding people becoming a bit easier over time to discuss death? Because death is such a mysterious thing that people don't want to talk about, especially in the African context. Because if you talk about it, are you wishing me death? Yeah. Are you finding people becoming a bit easier in talking about that, planning for it, maybe creating a wheel, and also like getting insurance? Yes. Now, because of sometimes things would happen, what we call a blessing in this case, the outbreak of COVID is what I'm going to give you as an example. Before COVID, there was a lot of resistance based on those beliefs. When COVID broke out from 2020, in actual fact, by mid of 2021, when you are talking about death, people are keenly listening to you because what they realized is people are dying during the period of COVID and uh, the support that they expected to get from probably the community, the social circles was not forthcoming because I remember that time at any one point in time, I was in like 10 groups of funeral arrangements. So that kind of strain that people are getting now, you tell them instead of not contributing to funeral expenses on death, why can't you take a cover? And people are very quick to take covers. And that is the time now we started having what we call the group last expense. We created a group last expense product where if you have an association, the chama, probably 10 people, that chama you contribute as little as 2,600 per year, and you get a sum assured of 50,000 for you, your spouse, your children, your parents and parents-in-law. So that COVID outbreak brought in a lot of awareness in terms of life covers and the importance of taking a life cover on insurance business.
I think we can go on in terms of some of the challenges if you're not finished that and then we can maybe tackle some of the opportunities now in the space. Yeah, sometimes when the economic situation is, is rough as it is now in Kenya, we have a lot of resistance of purchasers for life insurance. People, because of the high cost of living, they have to meet the basic needs first before they can look at other needs like insurance. So that again is something that as an economy, as a country, is a factor of a challenge to the life insurance uptake. Maybe you can explain a bit of the opportunity side of this. What are Kenyans missing by not taking up insurance and assurance? What Kenyans are missing by not taking insurance is they are, number one, they are creating a depletion of their investments or their capital to say, because now in the event of any calamity happening to them, they have to dip in into their pockets either from their savings or either from their investments to take care of maybe death, maybe to take care of an accident. The house has been burned down. You didn't have a fire policy. So now you have to rebuild the house from zero or maybe you will never rebuild again. So you become a pover. So that's something that Spaniards should be looking at because you safeguard yourself from those future incidences that can put you back to a zero position in terms of your investment and your savings. Once you take insurance, then you have a good deal that you are assured. In the event that anything happens, I am not going to go back to square zero. On the side of the life assurance products, uh, if you are the breadwinner of your family, the day that you are not there, what happens to your family? If your policies that are going to run and cover your life, in the event that you are not there or you are disabled and you are not able to make your earnings, then your family is not going to have to be taken back. And if you are living in Nairobi, then they move, they go back to a country, those kind of things. That is insurance that is going to take care of that. It gives you a lot of peace of mind if you look at it from that point of view. And so you rest assured that if I'm not there, then my family will not suffer because whatever the insurance policy will pay, if the beneficiary is going to take care of the benefits and use them wisely, then probably all will be well. Again, we have this education policy that I talked about. If I'm not there, then the policy for your child is going to take care of education for that particular child. And the most important thing in a child is education. I'm just trying to look if there are any questions that people are posting. It seems people are satisfied with the insurance. Perhaps I would ask a question for myself. How does someone get started with insurance and assurance products? Where do you start? Because there's so many of them. Sometimes maybe people get overwhelmed. So where would you advise they start? Number one is in my introductory, I said you have to, number one, to divide your needs into two. There is the, the insurance bit, which will look at your property. You need to safeguard your property by taking insurance. Property would mean, does your house have fire policy? Does your house have what we call domestic cover, your TVs, those gadgets that you have in the house? Suppose they are stolen, what happens? If you have taken a mortgage, you have a life cover so that in the event you are not there, the house is not taken away from you. Now, again, if the house is also burned, what happens? So those kind of things is about your property. That's non-life. On the other side, look at yourself. How many people depend on you? If they depend on you, yes then you need to take a policy that is commensurate to the benefits that they will need in the event you are not there. So those are the things that you need to look at as a person. Thereafter, you will approach the insurance company 
that you will talk about savings, you talk about investments, and they are going to take you through. We have gurus that are going to take you through the importance or how each of them works. And in the discussions, we'll be able to see what exactly are you looking at? Because that's why I said we have different needs in the customers. Customers are always changing their patterns of thinking. So you need to embrace the wealth creation using insurance. You need to protect your wealth using insurance. You need to preserve your wealth using insurance. And then you shield your loved ones from financial losses. Thank you. Really good response. There are a couple of questions I want us to tackle. So one is on the new NSF Act. This week, CPF, Financial Services, was able to get regulatory approval to implement, to take tier, tier two thing contributions away from NSF to them. So maybe you can explain a bit some of the implications of this new act, if you're aware of it. I think we can start there and then I'll ask you another question when she's done. And by the yeah. way, explain a bit tier one and tier two contributions, if you're are very familiar with them. Yes, the, the NSSF Act, this is the NSSF Act 2013, which was to be implemented in 2022, about September. But there was again issues that were running in the courts. But this year, the courts allowed that the NSSF Act 2013 should be implemented. Now, the implementation of the NSSF Act 2013 is to increase the savings of the employees. It is in actual fact to improve the retirement package of employees in the private and public sector. Now, remember in the past, our contributions to NSSF was 200 Kenya shillings. Now, that was not a factor of your earnings. So now with the new NSSF Act, the Act has come up with a factor of your contribution to NSSF based on your earnings. So it has the 6% which an employee will look at. And when we talk about the 6%, it's 6% of your basic income, basic salary. And if an employee contributes 6% of that, then the employer will equip and contribute 6% of that. Now, what these issues of the tires coming are saying, so if you fall within the first tire, which the first tire is people that are earning up to 6,000, if you do 6,000 times 6%, that gives you 360. 360 times 2 gives you 720. So, so 720 is the total savings that you are going to get into the NSSF. As you go up and increase the earnings that you get to 18,000, which is the tier 2, 18,000 times 6% will give you about 1060. That now becomes your contributor. Then the employer will also give you an equivalent of the same, which will take you to about 21. 2160 every month. Now, what PCF you are talking about is the regulator, that's RPA, has allowed that if you surpass the tier one contribution and you have an existing scheme that is already in operation, for example, Kenya Orient Life Assurance, we have a staff retirement benefit scheme. So those additional contributions, instead of moving to another self, they are being converted to their individual schemes. And the reason is because individual schemes managed by the private sector are giving better returns than the returns that are being given by NSSF. So those are the tires and that's how it is working out. The benefit to this is to the public, is to the people, especially the working class of people, because it is increasing their savings. But on the contrary, you realize that 
employees are complaining that the deductions are more. But remember, this is a benefit that whatever you remove out of your salary, you might have the pinch now because you're not getting as much as you are getting before as a tech-off. But remember, whatever you have contributed, your employer has equated the same. So it's a benefit to you that has been increased or revamped if they look at it from that point of view. And in the long run, at the retirement time, you'll have more benefits that have been built up in your portfolio, both in NSF and in the existing schemes. So it's good for us at the end of the day then? Very good. In terms of retirement planning, what are some of the products that you have? And maybe I should also have asked you, what are some of the products we orient as a company offers that key products maybe that people should be aware of? In terms of pensions, I said you have two, two products. We have one which we call the umbrella scheme administration, and we have the individual pension administration. Now, those two products are cutting across to ensure that we are onboarding anyone who is in the informal and in the formal sector, we are looking at institutions that can be onboarded into the umbrella as an institution. On the informal sector, we are looking at individuals who are not tied to any institution, but they would want to make savings. So they bring in their contribution as an individual. We give them a policy number and we grow their portfolio to the time of retirement. Again, on the other end, those institutions, employees contribute, employers contribute, and they build their monies based on those schemes. Initially, we used to have a rule that people who have contributed in these particular institutions and probably they are changing jobs, then they want to take away their contributions from that particular employer. But RBA to safeguard that because people were just taking, initially it was 100% of their contributions, but now it has become now, whatever you have contributed, both you and the employer, you can only take away 50%. So 50% must remain as a deferred contribution or a deferred lump sum amount that shall only be payable on retirement. We have early retirement and we have the normal retirement. The law says early retirement is 50 years. The normal retirement is diverse from one institution to, to another. Some companies would say their retirement age is 55, others are 60 years or that. So at the time you reach 55 years, then you can access your contribution. Others, if you, you get to 60 years, if the 60 years is the normal retirement age, then you can access. Before you reach the retirement age, again, there are other situations that can warrant you access the benefits. And one would be if you are migrating out of the country permanently and you have given that particular evidence, then you can access your benefits. In the event of death, then again, you can also access the benefits. So that's how we have structured our products. And we encourage people to save through our individual pension plan, which we give the best to our ability, the returns. And I was looking at the analysis of the returns of 2022, and I'm proud to say we topped in the markets because we declared 11% and our nearest number two was at 10.75. So it shows you that we are making the best on our investments and giving the best of the returns to our customers. So we encourage customers to come on board and save in the individual pensions. Institutions can come on board and save in the umbrella pension schemes that we run. 
Excellent. That's an IFRS 17. It's a good one to touch upon and how it impacts the financials of insurance companies. So maybe you can give us a little brief on what's happening around that. Uh, one of the most complex reporting formats that we have seen in the market is the IFRS 17. And the complexity is coming with the needs of satisfaction to the IFRS 17. But the advantage of IFRS 17 is actually to the owners of the businesses. And especially at the time of either you want to do a merger, you want to do some acquisition, that kind of a thing. Now, if you look at the IFRS 9, IFRS 4 that have been in existence, they will show you what a business has probably made in terms of profits, the asset base and all that. And an investor would want to acquire a business based on the asset base and the performance based on the financials. Now, IFRS 17 comes in and looks at the value of the business based on the position of the business at that particular time. For example, if you take policies in your books, for example, you are saying, let's look at the individual life policies, which you pay the monthly premiums, but the benefits will be paid in future. So now IFRS 17 comes to look at what is that value of that particular policy vis-a-vis -vis the liability. So at that particular time, when you want to purchase a business, you need to look at what is that liability that I'm going to take up from this particular policy, which has not been disclosed in our financials using IFRS 4 and IFRS 9. The complexity of this is because we have to get engines that are running with IFRS 17 because it has to do a lot of modeling. There are those models that deal with uh, long-term policies. There are those others that deal with short-term policies. There are those models that also deal with kind of short-term policies. So they are diverse and we are struggling. But the good thing is the deadline was supposed to be end of 2022. The implementation is 2023. As a company, we have already started the issue of putting our data into that particular engine so that we see the output. The beauty of IFRS 17 is recognizing what you have received and then treat that what you have received and try to calculate for you whether that policy will make a profit by the end of the term or not. So if it is not going to make a profit, it's going to make a loss, then you need to recognize that loss now, not in the future. Again, if you are going to make a profit, recognize that profit now. So that is now the modeling of the FRA 17. Once you put the data into the engine. I think Kenyan tribe is saying that the benefits access before retirement on contribution is hundred percent and employer portion is 50%. Is that the case? No. Initially it used to be hundred percent of the employee and 50% of the employer, but the government realized that people are retiring poor. So the only way out is to make it both employee and employer. You can only take away 50%. So there's several questions coming in. I hope you have the time. So one is about claim settlement. I think there's quite a challenge in the industry about claim settlement. So the perception that most Kenyans have is that insurance companies are always looking for a way not to pay claims. So his question is this, could you talk about experience your company gives to your policyholders and the industry's outlook with regards to claim settlements? And how do you think that experience affects customer perception and penetration? So the question is from Edwin. Thank you, Edu. And yes, 
And when I was talking about some of the challenges that we have in getting customers is low trust in insurance companies. And typically the reason is probably because of lack of information at the time of onboarding of a customer creates disharmony at the time of the claim. So if a claim is declined, because there are those conditions that are put for the declination of a particular claim, then that distrust now starts spreading out and says the insurance companies do not pay. But my experience is we need to ensure that customers are given the information at the onboarding stage 100%. So as much as you're making a decision, you must know what are the rules of the game. So that if you pay premiums three months and you stop, then your policy or your cover goes off. We say we, the policy lapses. If you know that, you will not come later after seven months and say, I have a claim and that claim when it is declined, then now you start saying insurance company has refused to pay me. Again, if you take up a policy, for example, you take up a policy of the last expense, we have the conditions, for example, we say you cannot take a, a policy now and then within 30 days, you are no longer leaving. So if you take a policy and you, you declare that you are in good health, unless it is an accidental cause of your death, then you do not expect an insurance company to have that kind of a claim coming on, on board. So if a claim comes at that particular time, then it means you did not declare the correct position. Because if you say, I'm not in good health, what we do, we'll still give you the policy, but we need to do what we call the medical underwriting. We need to check what is the underlying issue in your health so that you're able either to load your particular premium that you want to give us, or we can use the same premium that you can afford of, for example, 2000, but reduce the sum assured based on the intricacies that we find based on your health. So if that information is not done at the time of onboarding, then definitely you'll have those kind of issues at the claim stage. So what we usually do is we ensure that the customer has completed a proposal, a proposal form and declare the health status. If you say yes, you are already in good health. We take you on board without checking your medical examination if your sum assured is not too much. And those kind of things is where, where problems come in. My experience at Kenya Orient Life is we pay claims as they come in. And we pay claims as per our policy. But we ensure that we do thorough training to our customers. In actual fact, what we are doing now is once we give you a policy document, we will give you a slip where you sign as a customer to confirm that you have read the policy document and now you return because you are holding the original policy document. So that gives us that comfort that our customers are able to understand what they have taken up so that you do not have issues to do with the claims. Our goal is to pay all claims and that can only come in if knowledge is disseminated fully to all our customers at inception. And that should be the rule of the game, even the entire insurance industry in Kenya. Thank you. Very good. I think it's an important way to gain the confidence and trust of the of the customer if you can pay promptly. But also I think there's a lot of awareness also that needs to be done around informing people, especially about what is in some of these policies that they sign up to. So you don't just sign, so that you're aware of some of these issues that if you do the, then this is the penalty that happens and so that you don't need to complain later. So I think that's good to do. Wesi is asking, are there factors that can nullify someone for being legible for life assurance cover? Yes, one would be the age. We also look at the age of a person. 
because even the Bible says our normal life should be 70 years. About 70 years is a bonus that God gives us. So usually we have to do a capping based on the age so that we do not take up a police or cover knowing very well it is a claim that you are taking. So in that regard, we also look at the health status. Depending on the health status of a person, sometimes as I say, you can do two things. One, you can load the premiums based on the situation of the customer. We look at also your medical or maybe your health status and you're able to see because some of the ailments are things that are going to change over time. So we do what we call, we can postpone cover and say, you have come on board now, but our cover implementation will be in December because we need to look at how this issue that you have reported to us has been treated so that when we go on cover, we are assured. We also have what we call a lien kind of uh, some assured cover. Lien means that we pay benefits based on the period. When you take a policy of 10 years, we will say between the period of zero to one year, if in the event of death, there will be nothing left. Now, if you proceed and we go to three years, we go to 25%, 50%, 75%. By the time you are maybe over six years, you can get your 100% in the event. So those are some of the underwriting decisions that you make based on your status, based on your health of the applicant. Someone is asking, post-retirement medical cover, tell us something about it. Post-retirement medical cover is a cover that has been embedded on pension schemes. And what happens is as much as you're making your savings, you're also making some contribution of premiums to take care of uh, your medical. You need to remember when we are working, most institutions have medical covers that are operated by the employers. Now, when you retire, are you going to be able to access the same medical institution that you used to do? So what you do, you need to look at how much can I put into my pension scheme as a saving so that at the end of the period when I'm accessing my benefits, then those benefits can purchase for me a medical cover, if not very equal to what I was enjoying my employer, at least close to 75% of those kind of benefits. Remember, at that age of retirement is when now the ailment starts flowing in. So it is very important that we also ensure that we get those kind of post-retirement benefits of, on medical. I think we've exhausted the questions at this point. So I just want to ask maybe a few questions. In terms of your growth and career within insurance, what's your advice for young people getting started in the field of insurance? I encourage young people to get into this field of insurance because if the young people appreciate insurance, then the issue of rigidity and the issue of rejection of insurance in the entire country is going to be very minimal because then it means insurance has already been appreciated at the young age. Certainly it is a good profession because once you get into the insurance that you do the professional papers and you can understand how to run the insurance business, then you are going to help the industry grow to the next level. We have done a lot of in conjunction with the IRA, you have done a lot of partnership trainings in the public. And the essence is to ensure that we do, we sensitize customers. So as much as you are sensitizing customers, then even those who are non-customers and they, that's the young generation, they are going to assist in making sure that the knowledge of insurance are spread 
in the industry and the country. That's true. And then also in terms of your day-to-day, for you as an insurance company, like head, what does your day-to-day look like in terms of managing the company and some of the trust that you up to today to make sure that you also have capital adequacy ratios to maintain, you have a lot of cash flows to make sure that you're balancing money that's coming in and claims that are flowing out. So maybe you can give us a bit of perspective on that. And then at the same time, tell us a bit about how insurance companies like Kenya Orient make money and how do you generate revenues? Oh, thank you for that question. And I'll start with how does my day look like? Running an insurance business, you have to look at all the stakeholders at a glance. You need to look at your policyholders. You need to look at your staff. And then you need to look at your shareholders. All those people need value for your business to move. And if all those people need value, then you need to do a lot of balancing acts so that you ensure that you are able to run a business that is going to give value to the three. On a day-to-day basis, I have to look at the financial aspects in terms of what premium generation are we making? I have to look at how are the claims influx looking like? What are the underwriting procedures so that we do not have onboarding of customers or onboarding of policyholders that are creating a mass claims experience into the business? I'm glad to say that out of my experience and ability to manage the business with my team last year, we were awarded the Group Life Best Loss Ratio Award in 2022 in the entire industry because we do a lot of underwriting balancing so that what we are taking on board The premium that we charge is commensurate to the risk that we are taking on board. The other issue that you have also mentioned is how do we generate money? A premium component looks at the risk, looks at the investment, and looks at the profitability. Our life insurance business makes money on investment. So what we do is we ensure that we collect premiums because we do not know when claims will come and make sure that claim those premiums that we collect in advance are invested in the best return vehicles so that in the event of a claim coming, then we are able to pay a claim out of the principal premiums, but not out of our returns on investment. Life businesses are majorly driven by the return of investment. So we have that policy and you have that goal and you have that vision that we must ensure that our investments are aligned to ensure that they give the best return uh, in the market. And that's how you have seen our capital adequacy has also changed because you have been able to ensure that those investment returns are growing. Once they grow, then we create what we call the earnings in the business. And because those earnings are not going out of the business, then they become part of our statutory reserve and shareholders funds. So when that goes up, then we are able to see our capital adequacy ratio has grown to 174. We used to have issued the regulator before 2020, it was below 100 because the required ratio is 100%. But you can see in 2021 to move to 130, 2022 we are at 174. Our goal in 2023 is to cross to over 200%. And then in terms of investments, where do you invest uh, for Kenya Orient? We have various investments that we invest. The investments are also regulated by the regulator so that you do not put your investment in one basket because anything can happen and these are policyholders' money. 
So we have been given some thresholds of how much can you invest in this particular vehicle. So we have government securities where we put most of our investments. Probably our jungle of our investments is in government securities, which is giving better returns than other investments and also is more secure. We also have commercial papers where we also do investments. But remember, commercial papers, they can give you very good return, but they are very risky. And since this money does not belong to us, it belongs to policyholders, we put very little so that we do not risk losing the money. We also do deposit with our financial institutions, that is the banks. So we spread our investments, uh, deposit with the banks, so that we are able also to leverage on the various returns that the banks are offering in the market, especially at the time when they are trying to treat their liquidity issues. We also do investment in corporate bonds. So when bonds come in the markets, we look at bonds that are giving good returns, bonds that are long-term because our business is long-term. So we are better off putting money in a long-term bond that is going to give returns either half yearly or yearly, and we grow that into our investments. So those are the major investment vehicles. We also have a bit of properties, but as property investment does not give a lot of returns in terms of interest. So we also put a bit of that and the little that we put there, we get the little income, then we keep on diversifying. So it's an issue of balancing how we are going to put our investment, but ensure that we comply with the thresholds that have been provided by the regulator. So a bit, maybe on the investment side, there's been a lot of talk around defaulting on the government. Does that worry you in terms of the fixed income exposure to all insurance companies around? Does that worry you? To the best of my knowledge, you have not seen any default of our investment in the government securities. Unless we are waiting for the maturity of maybe a security that we have invested. But what happens is uh, we get the returns or the interest on those particular investments half yearly, which are usually credited back to our account. So we do not have that, that we have not seen that challenge yet. Now in closing, maybe to paint for us a bit of a picture where you want Kenya Orient to be, maybe on their 10 year anniversary next year, a hundred years from now, what do you want to see from the company going forward and maybe invite people to join you at the company and talk to our listeners on why they should be taking the importance cover from you. Thank you. One of the things that we are looking at is to change the map of Kenya Orient's life assurance company. Changing the map would mean we look at our asset base, change it up so that we are able to strongly compete with our competitors, especially on tender businesses. We also want to change our market share in the market. And as much as we want to change the market share in the market, we are very keen to look at the value of our stakeholders. So we want to accelerate the value of our stakeholders. And that's why we invite our listeners to get policies with us because we are going to give back value to your savings and your investments with us. And we also want to change the proposition of the company and the people within the industry so that when employees realize there's a vacancy in Kenya Orient life, they get very interested because the business cannot run without the people. We have a very good system, which is customer made, locally made, that is going, that we are running the business with. And using that technology and that system that we already have in place, innovation technology, which is one of the shaping things in the life assurance and the pension, is going to increase our ability to deliver 
to the customers. Our customers will be able to get on board using our website. They are able to get to us using our social platform, the Instagram, the, and the other social that are in place. We want to offer inclusive and competitive products that meet the customers that we are getting on board. And then finally, we also want to protect our customers against fraud because we have what we call values as a business, integrity, professionalism, customer centrism, creativity, innovativeness, and teamwork. So those values are going to drive in protecting the customers and ensuring consumers are getting value out of the products and the best service that we offer to them. Thank you so much for joining us. Maybe you can give us your closing thoughts. I wanted to tell our listeners that the value of benefits in insurance is embedded to your ability to pay or the affordability. And that value of benefits is what we want to make sure that the value is making value to you. We also want to impact and continue to relay a lot of information and do a lot of in conjunction with the regulator to ensure that we are able to pass information and treat customers fairly so that we have rules of customers that we have to ensure that we treat customers fairly, ensure we have information at point of sale, information at point of claim and after sale. We have financial education and awareness. We look at consumer interest. And then we ensure that we also abide the rules of the land, like the data protection for so this privacy of your consumer information. We welcome you all to take up our policies. You can join us or maybe you can reach us using our Twitter, using our website, using our YouTube, and we'll be there and our team is there to assist you in onboarding. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time to come and discuss with us insurance and assurance. At some point, we'll maybe contact you to come back and we have a little bit of a breakdown of the impact of IFRS 17 on the insurance financial. The substantial changes happening. So I think I've seen that in a couple of insurance companies, so it would be nice to get a breakdown of it and maybe go through all the financials of an insurance company 101 kind of. We definitely need to talk for that. But for now, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on the Mongo Spaces today.